This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. It's been an incredible year. I think it's been an incredible year for anyone who is involved in football and leading a football club. Pure, unadulterated Pompey. We're looking long term in terms of sustainability, so looking at where we can create you know, new sources of revenue. Action and reaction. We had the immediacy of you know coming out of COVID, coming back to crowds, integrating the Roco business. So all those challenges at first meant we were really, I have to say, you know, we were fighting and putting out a lot of fires to start with. Giving Pompey fans a voice. What you've got to make is the attraction and the proposition of coming to Portsmouth a no-brainer, so you get that absolutely right and can get that early advantage. This is the Football Hour. We committed to Danny and Nicky. I know they're totally invested, totally committed to the project. A very good evening and welcome to another special edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you this season by Stagecoach across the South. Head to their website now, stagecoachbus.com, for more information on fares, routes and timetables too. Well, this is the final of a trilogy of special edition football hours we've been proud to present over the last seven days. Following last Friday's equality and community feature with Peaches, Emily, Claire and Jay and Monday night's big interview with Pompey head coach Danny Cowley. Before normal service resumes here next Monday night for the preview of the Blues trip to Bolton on Tuesday, we've got one more big and very important conversation coming up on this evening's show. Last week I sat down with Portsmouth Chief Executive Andy Cullen inside the John Jenkins Lounge at Fratton Park, ready and prepared with questions for the Blues CEO regarding stadium redevelopment, transfer policies and the search for a replacement for Roberto Gagliardi, as well as a compiled list of questions from supporters who got in touch with me prior to the interview. Please note that unlike Monday with Danny, the following interview is not live. So any messages and questions sent into the show tonight will unfortunately not be put to Andy. However, I would like to send a big thanks to all who sent their questions in last week. And I'm sorry if your question didn't quite make the cut. We tried to squeeze in as many as we possibly could. Well, without any further ado, let's waste no more time and dive straight into it. I kicked things off with Pompey Chief Executive Andy Cullen by asking how he settled into the role and life on the South Coast as we approach almost a year since he arrived at the club. Well, it's been fantastic to be at Portsmouth. Uh, It's been an incredible year. I think it's been an incredible year for anyone who um, is involved in football and leading a football club. We've had... The uh, obviously the, the the start of the season coming back to crowds, which was totally unexpected in, in, in the numbers that we were able to do so, which was fantastic news. Um, we then obviously here at Portsmouth had to navigate our way through a number of challenges in terms of the redevelopment of the stadium, uh, which again is, is brilliant for the future. And we can already start to see the impact of how the North Stand start, starting to take shape, um, some seats starting to go into the North Stand lower. Uh, And now, of course, we're planning uh, ahead for the uh, redevelopment of the South Stand, which will take place over the course of the summer. Um, Coming into the role um, and taking all those uh, new projects on on board and and taking the baton on from Mark in in the summer, we then moved as well into the Roco and taking over uh, that piece of land, buying the freehold. Uh, which of course came with a uh, a gym um, with you know two thousand members uh, to look after, and again, you know the staff membership all coming again out of COVID, and you know the gym business starting to get back onto its feet. So, um, you know we had to integrate that into the business uh, and look at uh, again some challenges in terms of the building that we had to correct and put right. It, it's fair to say it hadn't had a lot of uh, TLC over the last few years, so. We've, um, you know, we, we, we've had to address those. There's been a focus on that. Um, so mass, massive parts of the business that probably a lot of people don't recognise that, uh, you know, affect the other, you know, the day-to-day stuff, which is all part of running a football club. Um, so, you know, that's been, that's been big. We've obviously, in terms of um, the, the, the first team, uh, we've obviously gone through a, you know, a major transition in terms of philosophy and style, change of manager, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, you know, 12 months ago, but then that appointment being confirmed in May and the manager then really setting out, uh, you know, which way 
you know, he wanted to take the, the football club um, and you know in recruitment of players um, and you know as, as, we, as we as I said when I came in on my first day and my first interview in the club uh, these are not quick fixes when you make all these changes in terms of philosophy style and recruitment of players but we're now in the stage where you can start to see that you know a number of the players now are you know have been recruited by Danny and we'll look to build on that over the course of the summer and within the academy as well, we've had to, uh, you know, we, we, we have a significant investment made in a, in a, in a Cat 3 academy. Um, we need to get the productivity better um, and we need to look at the alignment of the academy with the first team. And that's something, again, that Greg Miller, also new into the business as well, uh, has really taken a root and branch approach to everything to try and create the conditions um, that will, uh, you know, produce uh, and, and identify uh, you know, local boys in a better way in terms of getting the coaching standards, the sports science, the analysis, all aligned to what we're doing in the first team. So, you know, we had a real, real hard look under the surface and now we can start to really start to implement some of those changes, a number of which, of course, have already in place and starting to happen. So a really, really big first year, a big year of change, um, change for a lot of people, um, new ways of working. Um, I've got a, you know, congratulate the staff and the people for their resilience for that and their willingness to you know change it's not easy uh, when you have to work potentially in a different way um, um, but a, you know a, a huge number of people have embraced it uh, we're now working on purpose we're working on direction we're working on strategy strategic objectives right across the football club now how do we create conditions for success on the pitch how do we achieve brilliant service for you know, supporters um, for our, you know, for our clients, uh, for the membership at Roco. How do we, you know, really establish this club as a leading player in the community of Portsmouth? Um, we're blessed by having a fantastic partner in Portsmouth in the community. Awarded the freedom of the city this week, and congratulations to them for for that as well. Um, you know, how do we make this club really, really sustainable so we don't fall into the trap? Um, you know that uh, you know affected the football club. You know, over many years, which led to the fantastic effort supporters to, to have to rescue the club we don't want to put that you know the football club in that situation again so we're looking long term in terms of sustainability so looking at where we can create you know new sources of revenue where we can start to eliminate wastage and you know and finally for me as well it's about you know making this a great place to come to work for our staff for our supporters wherever they work in the business um, and uh, our people um, are really really important to us and they're going to be very much um, sort of connected to the future success of the football club they need to have an investment in that what would you say has been your biggest challenge so far as chief executive here at Pompey I think there's been a number of challenges I think um, the first was you know when you come into a new role you probably want to spend you know a, a, a bit of time understanding how things work and you know what the culture is of the club um, getting getting a real feel for where things happen um, unfortunately we didn't really have that time because we had to hit the ground running for the things I've said you know we had the uh, we, we, we had we had the immediacy of um, you know coming out of Covid coming back to crowds uh, integrating the Roco business so all those challenges at first meant we were really you know I have to say you know we were fighting and putting out a lot of fires to start with not for anyone's making but just a way of the world and some of the opportunities that had been created so those were huge challenges in the first three to four months to, to overcome Come, but it was really exciting because yeah. you know you understand the business you do understand you know um, the skills and, and, and uh, you have around you and, and, and the experience that you have around you and putting that into best practice so that was really good um, you know there was some you know there was some um, not great um, not great occasions at the start of the season um, you know in terms of uh, you know those first few games um, we weren't alone in that it wasn't just Portsmouth that were experiencing issues in terms of turnstiles and whatever but we learned from that and I think that was really helpful when we had to go into uh, the next stage one was the North Stand relocation of supporters um, and one thing we were really keen to do was involve supporters in in, in, in in that process so we got the communications right you know we could use their their knowledge um, and their experiences to help shape what that policy would be and how we made that happen and that went you know pretty 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 well but pretty smoothly um, and then we of course we were faced with the covid situation as well in terms of um, certification in January and again you know it was one of those things where we planned and planned and planned uh, our way through it and you know on the day it's 
game against MK Dons, we were able to get everybody into the stadium and complete all the requisite checks yeah. that were um, required and us by law. Um, you know, and brilliant supporters played their part in that as well. You know, they turned up early. Uh, they came with all the accreditation. Those that didn't were of a really good nature, and we were able to help them and support them because we planned to have testing centres around the site as well. So um, yeah, there's, there's 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 some really really big things. And against it, you've got a football team, and you want your football team to be successful. You want it to be really achieving towards the top. We've had spells in the season where we've gone on long unbeaten runs, and we've had spells where we've struggled over a number of games to get wins as well. So all of those. You know, create um, you know create a lot of background as to uh, you know the environment and circumstances in which you have to have to work against. But um, you know, I think we're all better for the experience. Um, we're all you know excited about the future. There's lots of good things happening um, on and off yeah. the pitch. You know, and we and we continue to, to build and we continue to make sure that everybody in this football club has a real sense of purpose and direction um, and uh, that is something that uh, they're playing a part in as well yeah. in terms of helping to shape that strategy um, for the football club going forward. Recently we've surpassed a whole year of Danny and Nicky Cowley in charge of the first team management. It's clear to see and I think there is no disputing the faith being put in them to deliver success here at Portsmouth. But how would you assess what is approaching their first full season at the helm? Well of course um, I think you have to say that uh, the first three months when they came in, um, you know, we're picking up the reins, and it was very much on an interim basis. So it was all about, you know, that sort of short term. Uh, and once they were confirmed as managers, they have worked every single day as hard as they possibly can to try and achieve to, to try and achieve that success for the football club. Um, so yeah, um, you know, we 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 were very very clear. You know, you, you in some football clubs. You know, and if you look at some of the managerial uh, tenures, particularly in the championship uh, over the years, certainly pre-COVID, you know, a manager, if they lasted beyond, you know, a year, then they've done extremely well. Yeah. And if, if problem is, if you have that short term approach, then, you know, you, you're just storing up problems down the future. So um, we committed um, to, to Danny um, and Nikki. They, I know that they're, they're totally invested, totally committed to the project. Uh, and you know they've started to um, uh, engender a really strong relationship with Portsmouth, with the supporters. They really get the place. Um, and if you work really, really hard, then success should follow. And uh, they, um, you know, they they know where they want to go. Uh, you know, they 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 are people that really uh, want the best for this football club and uh, if you've got that and you've got that in abundance then you've got a really really good chance of um, of, of moving forward so we you know we work we work close together we've got to look at how we provide greater support for them within the football club operationally and that's something that we are currently undergoing for opportunities that have obviously arisen in the last few months now we've recently received communication throughout the season regarding important works to the stadium, notably uh, the north and south stands, as you've just mentioned there, which we've been able to see with our own eyes as well. But how are things progressing with the Milton end? As we know, there were one or two stumbling blocks surrounding that project. Um, the Milton end um, is a project that will that will follow on from the south stand. Um, so <laughs> we've, we're working through um, that with our with our contractors. The um, the, the the new stand uh, the, currently the stand has a has a, has a p factor of 0.7, which means capacity is restricted to 2,100. Uh, we really want to um, you know get that in line with the rest of the stands. We can get to that factor where we can get the capacity beyond 20,000. So that's good. We're developing it in such a way that where um, as you can at the moment, where you know the full capacity is not taken by away supporters, then we can have some. Um, room in there for home supporters and importantly down the line as well it's going to make a massive difference to our disabled supporters as well in terms of new DDA facilities that are going to come into that stand so that's the next piece of the project but we need to get through the north stand and the south stand completion works first uh, because all this you know comes into time you've got short windows in which to do the construction work in the summer 
against all the work that's going on, you need to give the groundsman time as well to complete yeah. all his renovations as well. So it's working hand in hand and working really closely together. Yeah. And are the forecasted timelines regarding the completion of these phase one redevelopment works to the north and south stands still on course to meet their deadlines? Yeah, we're very confident that the north stand will all be completed and finished in time for the start of the season. We're also confident, um, you know, we're on budget and everything's running to time in terms of the south stand at the moment. Um, we have um, ordered a lot of our stuff up front so um, despite the conditions that are going on in the world at the moment most of the materials are already in the country and working particularly where we have to import stuff from abroad um, in terms of the south stand uh, we're reasonably confident that all the seats will be in play for the start of the season we know that some of the concessions uh, won't be ready yet because that might take through to October, November yeah. to be completed, but we will have temporary arrangements so people can still, you know, using carts and other temporary facilities can still, you know, manage to get food and drink in the South Stand going forward. So we'll see the, the whole picture, com- you know, completed um, by, by the end of, um, end of November latest, um, but certainly everybody able to return to the seats by then. And of course, there will be extra concession space, more living space in that South Stand. We'll be able to sell alcohol throughout the stand, which of course we can't do at the moment in the lower tiers because of the view of the pitch. So all those things are going to give a much, much, you know, better experience for supporters coming, coming to games. We've got some massive challenges um, with the South Stand because... The reconfiguring means that um, uh, the blocks will change and some of the seats will change. So again, like we've done with the North Stand, we're working with a South Stand working group yeah. now as supporters to try and navigate our way through those challenges. So, you know, we can best protect people who have previously enjoyed seats towards the back of the stand, front of the stand, um, and those that um, you know have aisle seats. What we don't want to do is dislocate family and friends from where they've been sitting for many, many years. Now, the club will be celebrating its 125th anniversary in April 2023, toward the end of next season. Are there any plans yet in place to celebrate this milestone, be it, I don't know, a whole host of options such as a commemorative kit, temporary club badge, maybe activities taking place near the time? Yeah, 125 years coming up very, very quickly. So, um, yes, we're already on that. There's a working uh, committee being established with the Pompey um, Historical Society. Uh, The Sporters Trust have also got some engagement on that as well. Uh, There are a whole range of initiatives that are being planned and will be announced hopefully very shortly. Okay, then now we come on to some of the questions we've had come in from social media this week. And we begin with this one here from Luke Carden, who says... We see more representatives from Brighton, AFC Bournemouth and Chelsea at games in Portsmouth than we do our own. Why does the club's academy appear to have little to no links to grassroots clubs? Well, that's something that Greg and I have identified that we need to do much better in terms of those relationships. I think historically some of the clubs um, uh, have, have not had the best link with Portsmouth Football Club and we're trying to address that so we've increased the number of scouts first of all going out to games trying to build those relationships Greg has started a process where um, we invited a number of grassroots clubs to come and meet with us last week Um, Greg has um, you know met with a number of them um, and they are very very keen to establish you know that those links improve those links better between the club and grassroots football We'd love to get more clubs involved. Um, we're going to try and work closely with the local leagues on that to see how we can make it happen. And we want to look what we can give back as well because um, we're conscious that, you know, in a, lot of, in a lot of cases, clubs may be a little bit reluctant to release their players to the academy, particularly their better players, if they lose them. So how can we best work with them to achieve the best for both parties? And also, how can we improve them and help them with their CPD, their, you know, their, their professional development, their training, uh, and our coaches uh, giving something back yeah. as well? So it's a massive project for us going forward. Small steps, yeah. we've just started that, and we're now starting seeing how we can embrace that and grow the number of clubs that want to be engaged. And what I would say, if there's anybody listening to that who would be you know, who would like their club more greatly involved with the academy and yeah. forge that link? We 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 we'd be delighted. We'd, we'd love to come and speak to you and see how we can make that make that work. But it's up to us to make the running. So we'll be um, again um, having had that initial meeting with with a number of clubs, seeing how we can take that further with more clubs, and hopefully the word will spread. Uh, and again, we can be extremely active because I think 
if you're a you know if you're a big Portsmouth fan, you know you followed the football club, and you know you've got a promising you know child in your family. Your boy's really really good, and of course you're going to want them to come to Portsmouth and have the assurances. We need to show you know all the things we're doing with the academy, so that we can give that sense of confidence not just to the parents, but also to the clubs. If they send their boys to Pompey, they're going to be really, really well looked after. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is that safety net there for them as well, where that those relationships can work. So, you know, it's something that I've utilised, you know, both at Norwich and Milton Keynes in the past. And and, and, and hopefully, um, you know, Greg's, Greg's took this on and has been very, very proactive in this way. It's a number of ways that we're trying to change the way that we go about our business in the academy uh, for the better. One here from Nigel Lawrence on Twitter. What happened to the season prepay card rewards programme thing? Big fanfare at the beginning of the season, but zero mention since. No, um, that was uh, a project um, that I've got on record that I put a pause to um, in the summer when we had some issues with the turnstiles. I needed to be absolutely clear that um, uh, those cards and the loyalty scheme would um, absolutely be activated and would work before we launch it. So it made sense to put a pause on it. Um, In terms of the loyalty scheme, um, that is something that will probably be introduced um, for the start of next season. We're working through the mechanics of that now with our commercial team. Uh, as to how that will work, we work. There's, there's, there's two partners involved, Fortress and Barclays. Um, I think Barclays on the prepayment side have paused that project themselves. So maybe we took a, you know, t- took the right decision in terms of that one. Um, but in terms of the loyalty points, which I think uh, was something that. Uh, um, and I'd rather call it um, rewards rather than yeah. loyalty because we get confused with the away uh, scheme. Yeah. So that is something that um, you know we'll be in a position to review and hopefully go out with over the summer. Again, I don't want to make all these promises no. and commitments until things are thoroughly tested and right before we go out and do these things, so that uh, people have the confidence in the things that the clubs are putting out. And uh, uh, but uh, you know we've got good people working on it. We've got good partners who want to make it happen. So Nigel. Um, Hopefully that will you know, be in place for the start of next season and we'll keep you updated. Sue Till on Facebook asks, are we going to see the revival of the half-time draw tickets at Fratton Park anytime soon? It got stopped due to COVID, but is yet to come back. No, we've um, we've we've relaunched um, a, lot, a lottery halftime um, draw scheme slightly differently from the way it's worked before. That's with the same lottery partners right. as, that, that that have enjoyed a partnership with Portsmouth over many many years. Um, it's a question of how we roll that out now across the stadium. So one of the things that. Um, we are working through is, is you know I've talked about the working groups with the North and South stand you know it's all about involving and engaging supporters in decisions and matters that affect the most so the next one is the match day experience working group and those are all ways as to how we can from the moment you know from the point you buy your ticket the travel to the ground the experience inside the stadium you know what happens at you know pre-match and at half time all those areas of concessions all those things are really, really important to um, make sure that we, we constantly improve. You know, it's one of the key objectives that we're trying to drive through as a football club, as a team. But again, supporters can make a huge difference to that. So delighted that, um, you know, we've had some really, really good discussions with um, the, the supporters trust, Pompey yeah. Supporters Trust, how we take that forward uh, at, at their highest levels. And um, we will, over the course of next month, start to recruit supporters onto that scheme with the help of the PST. And uh, that will, um, we'll start to hold those first meetings um, at, at the end of the season so we can hopefully engage some new initiatives right at the start of next year. And Mark Sampson has got in touch asking if there will be a chance for non-season ticket holders currently to buy season tickets next season. Yes, there will be. Um, we will obviously have an increased capacity for next season with the North Stand and the South Stand. What we've got to be reasonably careful of first, though, is particularly in the South Stand, where the capacity doesn't change much, is um, a lot of people will be relocated to new seats, and we need to give them the opportunity at the start of the season to make sure those seats are exactly what they thought they would be and that if they are uncomfortable that they have the right to move first. We've got to look after loyal season ticket holders first, particularly those that have been with us for 40 to 50 years and through no fault of their own are going to have to move seats. So in some areas we will restrict the sale of new season tickets Probably um, for the first two games, um, we won't um, we won't issue new season tickets in the South Stand, for example. That's one of the areas that we're working through, uh, and then from that 
point we can then issue a season ticket for the for the, for the season. We can also look. We can look at you know we've got greater flexibility to do that in the Fratton end and the, and the North Stand. So yes, there will be an opportunity. That certainly to buy new season tickets for next season, although access in some stands might be limited to, say, the third or fourth game. Next up, and I know you touched upon this in a previous question, are we going to see significant investment in the playing squad in the summer? We're told to judge McCauley's on free transfer windows, but they don't appear to be given much to work with at the moment. That is from Ollie Burgoyne on Twitter. Well, I think the first thing to say, and I've gone on record as saying this, is the budget's increased this year. Um, we want to talk more about the strategy, more than the money and the investment, because it's it's a given that the money is investment has increased in the playing squad against the backdrop as you know we will see next week significant losses last season for the football club, um, and I mean significant losses. I think people are going to be shocked by the scale of what will be reported, uh, and again, you know, we will make losses again this this season. But against that backdrop, against all the work that's going on in the stadium, against all the work that's gone on with the purchase of Roco and the uh, improvements we're trying to make there we haven't decreased the budget um, what we want to do um, is to really look at the trading model look at the caliber of players that we are recruiting um, we have a situation where if you look back at the last five years six years of players that we have recruited there's been a tendency to recruit maybe um, players from the championship premier league um, we haven't been as smart as we can in the in the in the lower leagues, and where we have, we've had successes. Yeah. So um, we we want to we want to sort of focus on that, uh, and you know start to bring some you know young energetic players, first team ready, um, you know under twenty threes, as we've seen the likes of Denver Hume yeah. is a good example. Um, but that doesn't mean we'll be exclusively recruiting in those areas. Uh, what we want to do is just band the squad accordingly, so we we, we budget for it right, and. Notwithstanding that, um, we've got some really, really high earners next season in the squad. But you, you know, the important thing is they're all contributing regularly uh, to, to, to first team football, which is where we want to be. So, how do we supplement that? How do we grow it? And how do we continually evolve the squad to achieve success? Um, and um, you know, increase our value, raise our value. So many of our competitors around around us at the moment, you know, say Oxford's a really good example where they. You know, developed a really, really strong trading model, which has enabled them to reinvest and bring in, bring in the next players. MK Dons, uh, absolutely similar. I know that from my own experience. That was very much a philosophy that we've adopted over the last three years at MK Dons. So, um, you know, coming now, us at Portsmouth now, we've got to look at, you know, how we sort of, you know, can can can, can identify that that young talent coming in. And then, um, you know, they achieve success for Portsmouth and take us on to next level and become assets. Because, you know, once you bring a player in, you know, um, particularly of that particular age, if they're promising their age, they're always going to attract attract interest. So, um, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, um, you know, we have to accept that clubs, you know, in the Premier, wherever you are, you have to be in, be a League One club. Clubs in the Championship, clubs in the lower end of, you know, the Premier League are exactly in the same position where, you know, they can... They can, they can provide young emerging talent with really, really good opportunities um, and they become real big assets for you in the future and then you can go on, reinvest yeah. the sums and continually build your squad that particular way. A culmination of a few questions here regarding what many believe to be an over-reliance on loan players over recent campaigns. Is this something we might see change from next season with some perhaps more permanent deals? There'll be a mixture of permanent loans. I think it would be wrong to dismiss loans. They, they are incredibly important to any football club. Um, majority of football clubs um, in League One and the Championship uh, will use their loan quota. Um, the rules are you can recruit you know, a, a number of loans, but you're only allowed to have five in the match day squad. So I think you know it's sensible um, to try and limit no more than five loans but of course it gives you the opportunity to go out and get some great talent a great value to come through and work with you so you know look at this year with the likes of Gavin Bazuno is a fantastic example of a club um, that's trusted us with one of their you know great talents in the next stage of his development um, and because of that relationship you know you hope that that will you know be really really stand that stand the club in good stead for the future 
Um, so I think we'll continue to use the loan market. Um, it allows us to, to maximise the budget with quality. Um, and I think, you know, if you um, are going to go for permanence of that quality, you won't be able to afford them. So you end up with probably smaller numbers in your squad as well. So, no, I'd, I'd be quite honest, be quite open. Um, loans are here to stay. And I don't think we'll be different from many clubs in that respect. But where we have to be smarter is identifying, yeah. um, you know, this emerging talent that's coming coming through, um, looking at it, casting the net wide. I mean, the coaches, Danny, Nicky, Lorenzo, Simon Bassey, um, the recruitment team, football, you know, with Phil Boardman, you know, they're out and about, not, you know, absolutely watching every game. You know, we're off for two and a half weeks. They're not. They're watching games. They yeah. travel to watch games on Tuesday evening across um, the National League and League Two, um, where there was a, you know, a, a pretty healthy programme of fixtures. Um, you know, there's a number of fixtures coming up next week as well. Uh, we'll not only be that, we'll be looking at some of the, um, the international fixtures next week at the lower lower age levels as well to identify talent there. So everyone's really, really working hard to do that. We're all committed to it, and um, that's where I think we can, you know, we can supplement it. And some of those might require some some investments, some transfer fees, um, but you know, that is something that we're not afraid of. No real name on this one, but the Twitter handle is at Cowley's Cows. Uh, what are the responsibilities expected from the current head of football operations vacancy? It's not been quite made too clear what Roberto Gagliardi's role was and what this role will entail for his replacement. Could you please define what the role is? Yeah, so we're, quite, we're currently recruiting uh, for a role um, in the football operations side. Um, a key part of that role is going to be recruitment um, and actually leading the recruitment side of things, identifying players, um, you know, identifying um, and, and growing them, but really importantly, looking at other areas of the football operations as well. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, how that aligns with the academy, how we align things up together with sports science and medicine, bring it all together to take some of the pressures uh, the operational pressures of of the manager, so they can you know be fully focused on 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 the coaching and development yeah. of uh, of our squad, our first team, and likewise in the academy as well. So that um, process is going to be hugely important to us going forward. Uh, it might it's going to probably be a, a bigger role than what we've experienced in the past. The role will directly report into me uh, in the same way as the first team manager will do and the academy manager will do. So three key appointments within the football club where I want them all sort of working together under that leadership. But recruitment's going to be a, you know, and identifying players is going to be key. Analysis and how we support the manager in terms of the best systems in place, the best sports science, the best medicine, uh, bringing it all together. So, um, yeah, we're currently in discussions uh, with a number of interested people. Um, we hope to um, sort of complete the first round stage of discussions and meetings with people over the next sort of two to three weeks. Um, and then, of course, um, move to a final decision uh, towards the end of the season in terms of an offer. But it may take some time, depending on the individual and their current commitments at their clubs, if indeed they are in work. So uh, that's all part of negotiation and part of the recruitment process. So hugely important for this football club and perhaps a, a, you know a, a, another change in direction. I'm quite clear as to what I want. Um, you know, Roberto's roles were very much in terms of, you know, again, he had a really, really strong recruitment bias. Um, you know, had brought through some real successes in terms of identifying players. Ronan Curtis, um, you know, uh, was was through was you know primarily through Roberto's work in terms of recommending him, um, and you know the relationships he was able to establish with likes of Manchester City uh, and getting Gavin Bazuno and, and and players of that ilk. Um, so we wish him all the best. But it has presented an opportunity now to just sort of think again about the role and, and what it looks like in the future. So it will be different and I think it will be great for Portsmouth Football Club. But we want somebody who's going to commit themselves here for the long term. Um, you know, they have to work independently of the academy manager. They have to work independently of the manager and not be inextricably linked uh, with what happens to them. Um, you know, if, that, if Danny decides at some point or he's poached by another club higher up in the league... We want to make sure this person's with us to continue the philosophy and continue the, the work that we put into place. So um, big, big appointment for Portsmouth Football Club um, and, and one which, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's going to be very, very uh, linked to, um, you know, how successful we are in the future. So we need to get it right. A good question here from James Robbins, who has asked, 
Given the price of living is going up considerably, energy bills, inflation, tax and petrol to name a few, most working people are now going paycheck to paycheck. Is there any reassurance that season ticket prices will at least remain frozen to help people ahead of what is likely to be another year in League One? Well, James, I'm very, very conscious, the whole football club's conscious of the pressures that supporters are going to have through um, the increased cost of living and, 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 and what that does. Um, but at the moment, we can't give any guarantees on that. We're going through a very difficult budgeting process at the moment where it's quite scary because the, the increases in national insurance affect employers. Uh, we're going through, you know, huge, as a huge operation, um, we have going to have, we're going to suffer from increased costs, you know, not just in energy, but in everything that we do, everything we pay for. Um, you know, there are going to be rises in the minimum wage as well, which will affect our match day operation too. So it would be wrong of me to commit to the fact that um, we, um, you know, will not be able to freeze season ticket prices for a further year. Having said that, I'm very keen to look at ways that we can make a season ticket more affordable for families. So we're looking about what that means for young people, what that means for um, how we can help supporters spread the cost of the payments so they don't have to find these lump sums, particularly families that will find it difficult. And it's something, again, that I want to pursue further over the next year as to how we, we, you know, we review the different sort of ways of paying for season tickets, pricing models um, going forward. I think there's been a, um, a tradition here that uh, season tickets have been left very, very late um, in the season and um, towards the end of the season. Uh, and perhaps we can explore you know, where there's a, a way that we can align to you know, measures taken by other clubs where they launched a little bit earlier, uh, looking how direct debit payments work going forward as well. So that again, we spread the load for people going forward. So um, we've got some. We've got to complete the whole budgeting process first because what we want to do is we don't want to have, be in a position where those costs mean we have to restrict the budget on the most important area of a football club, which yeah. is the um, which is the playing squad. Um, you know, we want to try and keep our academy expenditure exactly where it is. Our first team operations. We want to continue to invest in, um, but we have to acknowledge within that costs throughout the business are going to you know uh, we're no different from, from what people face so we're very empathetic to that and we'll try and make sure we you know we get this as best right as best we possibly can yeah jack davis now asking competition will be high for the top three agents will we be aiming to do our business early to beat competing clubs to signatures scott twine last summer comes to mind albeit perhaps compensation to swindon was involved with that one Recruitment never stops. Uh, you're talking to uh, players, you're talking to agents all the time about whom they come available. So we have, really have a number of targets. The reality of football is, is you know, when, when, once you go in and you make the offer, then, you know, people will start to look around to see if they can improve that. What you've got to make is the attraction and the proposition of coming to Portsmouth a no-brainer. So you get that absolutely right and can get that early advantage. So, yeah, discussions are really, you know, really ready talking to it. You know, if there's fees involved, we're trying to understand from clubs what that might mean. If there's free agents involved, talking to their agents, trying to understand what other options uh, they may have. That equally applies to players that are currently under contract to us as well, because you know um, a number of them would like to stay, and they would also they would also have other options as well. So, um, yes, in an ideal world, you want to have everybody in the building uh, by the time we come back to pre-season training around the 24th of June, because the season starts. Uh, you know, we're going to be earlier back this year because the season will start a start a week earlier on the 30th of July. So, um, but the reality is, is that, you know, a number of these deals will still be going on, you know, as we get into July. And of course, there's always a, there's always business to be done in, 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 in August. What we tried to do in January this year was to complete as much of our business early. We were relatively successful in terms of moving players out uh, and bringing a number of players in. Uh, and then we had obviously a, a couple of late opportunities um, that came in um, with, with, with Aidan O'Brien coming in. Likewise, last August, you know, we got quite a bit done by the time the season kicked off um, but you know we still were doing you know last minute deals yeah. with uh, Marlon Romeo uh, coming in on, on, on deadline day uh, as well so there's it, 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 there's no there's no rhyme or reason to, to it what you try and do is do as much as you can and where we have an advantage this year is Danny wasn't confirmed until May so it's difficult for him to get too involved in the recruitment process until the season had finished whereas this year is a full year ahead we're far more alive to the type of player uh, and some and even down to the type of individuals that we would want to bring into the building. 
An interesting one in from Andy Hellier here. Having brought up a programme for my seven-year-old son recently, the content is uh, of limited interest to the younger supporters. It'd be great to have a section for this age group, be it a comic story about our players, trivia, or perhaps a word search. Do you believe that we have to engage the younger generation a bit more before we lose them? Absolutely, and that's a you know that's a that's a great suggestion that we need to, to look at as to how we could improve that. Um, yeah, the next generation of fans is crucial to the success of Portsmouth Football Club, um, and that is something that we can start to deliver through the match day experience. I'm also keen to work very closely with um, with PITC in the community with Claire Martin who's equally aligned to all these things as to how we can again look at how we can improve the junior membership scheme as well so those are all projects that um, you know we are going to work on look to improve but absolutely 100% and that's part of the, the whole experience of coming on match days as well you know we've recently started to uh, get some of the uh, get, get, get a small fan zone outside yeah. the North Stand going where you know to see the smiles on faces to see the kids coming down and enjoying it it's great every game you come to you always bump into somebody whose first game it is you know a new five six or seven year old and you know the pride of the parents that says you know it's it's great yeah. to have them here and what we've got to make sure is that they have a great day out, great day out so regardless of the result or what they might see they want to come back so yeah and little things like Andy suggested in terms of the program and that engagement uh, again small steps towards achieving that and building those those relationships between you know young people and their football club for life this one here from rich says uh, what do you see as the medium term plan for the club i.e where does the strategy project us to be in around about five years time well i think you want to be successful you want to everybody wants to see every supporter wants to see um the club progress to the next league um you know and you know portsmouth is a big big football club and it needs to be in the championship um, you know, and that's what I've come here to to contribute towards establishing the club in 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 the next division. So um, that has to be the overall strategy to create the conditions for success on the pitch, and that's number one. You know, I started the interview. We talked about five other things that you know that, that we're trying to achieve as part of our objectives. But you now, how, how how do we how do we make that happen? How do we achieve it? How do we look at you know the type of players we're recruiting into the building? How do we get you know a really high performance environment working at Roca? in terms of you know everything in terms of sports science in terms of medicine in terms of analysis in terms of the way we operate our recruitment that's where this new appointment's going to be yeah. really really key in making that happen likewise in the academy you know how do we you know look at every aspect greg's done so much work in this in, in, in his first 12 months to identify so many areas where he can improve and some of those he's started to make happen you know we've got a new team in the academy a really really young energetic team who equally want to drive things forward and of course we all want to see more players come through from the academy and, and get into the first team um, but those are outcomes and you have to get the academy right in all those other aspects first before you achieve um, before you get those right and that tends to be a cycle that tends to take you know you can't switch an academy on straight on and start to have a pipeline of players coming through um, uh, in, in that respect so we um, you know we're determined to achieve that for the football club. Um, I want to continue to make sure the football club, you know, off the pitches is sustainable. Um, that we get, you know, this stadium looking really good. That we can then start to look to the next phase of stadium development. That's a really, really big project that I know supporters are really interested in. You know, how will the north stand look? How will the area around Fratton Park look to make all that happen? Um, and that's important to the next stage of growth for the football club as well. Um, and to be a big part of the community, um, you know, you know, to, to, to really enjoy and cherish the relationships that we have with the university, for example, and the relationship with the Navy, big employers in the city, you know, working really closely with Portsmouth City Council to, you know, achieve, you know, the best for this city and, and our community. So all those things are really, really important. You can't take one in isolation. But ultimately, you know, the purpose, you know, what we're here for as a football club is, 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 is to be successful and to make supporters proud of their football club. Um, and uh, equally, you know, that, um, you know, people in Portsmouth, um, you know, can, can, can be proud of the football club and the football club can be really proud of its community. So all those things really need to come together. And as a chief executive of any football club, and particularly here at Portsmouth, you've got to look at all those things in the round because if those things come together, then maybe that primary one, number one objective of achieving that success on the pitch uh, becomes a lot more easier.
And uh, I think we'll end on probably the most important question of them all, Andy, uh, from Alex Reed on Twitter. There has been a huge debate on social media recently regarding whether or not there are more doors or wheels currently in use on planet Earth. What do you think there are more of, wheels or doors? I don't want to get into any global <laughs> debates at the moment. Um, I know that uh, you know when I when I come into Fratton Park, the number of doors and barriers in my way that I, I, keep, I, I keep losing my access cards and things like that. So uh, doors or wheels? Um, I, I, I think uh, I think there have to be there has to be wheels, doesn't it? <laughs> Andy Cullen, Chief Executive of Portsmouth Football Club. It has been great to be able to speak to you today. Thank you very much for agreeing to sit down with us. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Well, there we have it then. A big, big thanks to Pompey Chief Executive Andy Cullen there for agreeing to speak to us and opening up on a few things as well. Really interesting conversation we had regarding some very important club matters. Once again, apologies if we didn't quite manage to get your question across, but we really did try to get in as many as possible. I'm sure there will be an opportunity to put your questions to Andy again here on Express FM before too long. It's time now for one last ad break here on the Football Hour, after which I'll quickly be rounding up the week's Blues news and taking a look ahead to the action taking place in League One this weekend, despite Pompey's absence. Don't go anywhere. The conclusion of tonight's show is coming your way after this. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM, which is brought to you by Stagecoach Across the South. Head to stagecoachbus.com or download the app from either the Apple app or Google Play Store to ensure you keep up to date with the latest information regarding timetables, fares and route changes too. Well, on this final part of the show, with just under 10 minutes remaining, we're going to take a look at the news coming in and out of Portsmouth during this past week, and we start with a roundup of the Women's Hampshire Senior Cup final from Wednesday night. Jay Sadler took his side to the Silver Lake Stadium in Eastleigh to take on AFC Bournemouth. The Blues were originally supposed to play arch-rival Southampton for the final, but the opponents withdrew from the competition a while back, citing fixture congestion and lack of player availability as their excuse not to have the game played. There was uncertainty regarding what would be done to the final, with only two real options. Pompey handed the title by default of Southampton's forfeit, or the final spot instead given to the side who were beaten in Southampton's semi-final, and it was the latter option that was decided, much to the delight of all involved. So Jay Sadler's side went into the battle with the Cherries on Wednesday night, with the opportunity to make it an incredible 13 Hampshire Senior Cup titles in a row, having secured their 12th consecutive triumph last year against Moneyfields at Wesley Park. Pompey lined up with Hannah Horton in goal, Outfield, Sammy Quayle, Jazz Younger, Evie Gain and Captain Danielle Rowe. Danny Lane, Freya Jones, Tamsin DeBunson, Shannon Albury, Sherelle Cassell and Emma Jones with Rebecca Tonks, Rosie McDonnell, Hayley Bridge and Ava Rowbottom on the bench. And with that, Pompey did make it 13 in a row by securing a 3-0 win thanks to goals from Tamsin DeBunson, Emma Jones and Rosie McDonnell. After the match, Max Watson caught up with winning head coach Jay Sadler. Jay, champions in Hampshire once again, a convincing 3-0 victory to go with it. How proud are you of your side tonight? Yeah, no, really proud. There were a number of challenges that were thrown our way. Um, took us a while to grow into the game, adapt to the diamond um, against the ball. I think they always had the overload in the middle and it was difficult to manoeuvre a few, few players around. But as soon as we got to grips with that, we were able to gain territory. Um, today wasn't about being pretty, it was about being effective. Um, we were able to, to nullify their central threat um, and then we were able to find the spaces wide. And as soon as we were able to find them wide spaces, get crosses into the box, that's where the goals come from. Um, so to come in at 1-0, we were happy. We knew there was things to change in order to, to gain more territory and gain more control in their half. And we, we think we did that, um, completely nullified them and, and created two really good moments where we scored from. We could have had a few more as well. I think just maybe lack that composure, that extra touch, the head up in the box. Um, but we've got to take it. Three goals um, and, and also the clean sheet. I think that's we've, we've started to build ourselves a solid foundation in previous games. Canesham, we, we, we knew wasn't good enough. Um, and, and that second half is kind of a benchmark we've been setting ourselves. So, yeah, really happy with the overall performance and delighted to get our hands on that trophy again. Let's just talk about Freya Jones. Unlucky to come off at half-time on Sunday, but 18 years old and controlled the midfield out there. How pleased are you with her? Yeah, and she was unlucky to come off. Um, I said it wasn't her fault at all. It wasn't her performance. 
if anything, it was structurally we, we let ourselves down. I let her down on that on that game. Um, the players let her down and we weren't good enough. And unfortunately, she had to come off. We made the change. We've won the game. We've had a good chat with her. She knows what we need from her and what we needed from her tonight. And she did that and more. She was best player on that pitch by a mile. Um, I think Jazz was close to her as well. I need to give her a mention in that back line. It's probably what helped get the, the clean sheet. But I think everyone, each to their own, they did their, their role well. But Freya just did everything that you don't see. All the, on the breakdown, superb play, reads the game so well. And then she distributed off the ball and then we can go and play. Um, so, yeah, I think she had a, a real mature performance. Um, and now it's about keeping her at that level. She's only a young player. Development is like a roller coaster. And now we just need to keep her at the top, keep her playing well. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to, to continue to work with her. You talk about the clean sheet, that's six in the last seven. How pleasing is that? Massively pleasing. If you'd have said that after that, that Oxford game away and, and the Crawley game where, and even a Wimbledon game where we've given away silly goals and we've spoken about eradicating errors. We've spoken about collectively needing to be better, um, cohesiveness within the units. And I think each the road, I think as a whole group against the ball, we were superb tonight and we've been superb in moments. Um, when we when we press together, um, when we defend together and we fight as a group, that's when we don't give up much space, we don't give up much um, opportunities. And then when they do get a threat, we, we've got Hannah Horton in goal. Um, so when, you, when you're talking about the quality we've got, it, it's really helpful um, to have. But also the players have, have taken on everything we've asked. We've obviously switched the system up. They've taken, taken that well, um, asking questions and wanting to be the best they can be. So, yeah, we've just got to take that into the coming games because... We can enjoy this moment, um, but as soon as tomorrow comes, we need to recover, rest up and focus because we're going to be playing an MK Dons team that are in good run of form, fighting for their lives. And they'll want to come and spoil our showcase event at Fratton. Yeah, this sets you up nicely for a big clash of Fratton Park on Sunday, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. As soon as we get in tomorrow, we'll be, we'll be clipping and watching MK Dons to ensure that we, we go again and strategically we, we get that game right. Um, I think we've got the game plan right today. Um, that's kudos to, to all the staff um, and we need to do that again on Sunday because we're hoping to have a big crowd. We're hoping to use that as a showcase event to show where we've come. It, it hasn't been the season that we wanted to at the start of the season. Maybe myself and, and others put too much pressure and expectation on this team when it's taken us a while to, to gain them human connections, to gain understanding of what we are and, and our identity. I feel like we've got that now. We're on a good momentum, we're on good confidence um, and we need to take that into Sunday um, against MK Dons. Moving on quickly then and some great news for Dan Gifford. He's impressed with performances for the Pompey Academy and out on loan at Bogner this season. He's been handed a one-year contract extension at Fratton Park. So Pompey not in action tomorrow. Their opponents in the EFL Trophy final action against Sutton United at Wembley on Sunday instead. Some big games in League One this weekend, however, including Wigan v Bolton, Plymouth v Oxford, Sheffield Wednesday v Wimbledon and Sunderland v Gillingham. Pompey back in action then on Tuesday night for the rearranged clash with Bolton Wanderers. You can join us here on Express FM for full coverage of that game right here on Pompey Live. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. Pompey were held to a frustrating goalless draw against Wickham Wanderers at Fram Park and are now eight points off the playoffs with eight games remaining in the League One season. Pompey's next game comes on the 5th of April as they travel to Bolton. Join us for all of the unmissable action, 5th of April from 7. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Well, I'm afraid, as you all know by now, the sound of that tune signals the end of tonight's instalment of the Football Hour. I'd like to once again send a big thanks out to Portsmouth Football Club for their assistance this week to ensure we made two editions of the show into big ones, preparing exclusive interviews with both Danny Cowley and Andy Cullen. And thank you, of course, to both Danny and Andy for taking the time out of their busy schedules to talk to us here at Express FM. Well, no action for Pompey this week as we're forced to wait just a few more days until the next match. I'm off instead this weekend to Turf Moor to capitalise on an opportunity to tick off a new ground. Why not? But I'll be back on the airwaves here on Monday evening from 6 to get this show back running to normal service again. I'll be joined by two Blues fans to preview Tuesday night's trip to Bolton Wanderers. And you can, of course, join us for that one here as you heard just now from 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. You can listen back to tonight's show either at 4am tomorrow morning here on Express or if you're not up ridiculously early on a Saturday morning, you can download the episode direct from our website expressfm.com forward slash podcast from around about 20 past 7 this evening. 
Connor Mosley is up next then with Express Floor Fillers right the way up until 11 o'clock tonight. That's all from me this evening, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy whatever it is you'll be up to in the absence of Pompey. And I'll see you back here on Monday night for the next edition of the Football Hour. Good night and thank you for listening.